Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you get your podcasts from, so you don't miss a single episode. Hello, and welcome to the Football Digest Women's Football Show. My name's Natasha Henry, and I have three amazing journalists here with me today. We have Jack Lacey Hatton, who's our Chief Women's Football Reporter. Hi, Jack. How are you? Hi, Natasha. Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. And yeah, nice to see everyone. Brilliant. We have Louise Wilkes, who covers our Manchester patch for us. Hiya. Thanks for having me on. No worries. And we have, last but not least, Beth Lindop, who covers Merseyside for our women's football team. How are you today, Beth? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Some big results for the Merseyside clubs at the weekend, so I'm in a good mood. Yeah, we will touch on some WSL later, but we're going to start where else but St George's Park. Obviously, we know we have the Arnold Clark Cup coming up, which will start next week. So for those that don't know, it's a double header of games with four national teams. We have England, Belgium, Italy and Korea Republic. So every team will face each other. It's going to be an amazing opportunity for the fans throughout the country to go and see some of the best players in the world in Europe. And Serena Weigman announced her first squad of 2023 yesterday. So, Jack, you were down at St. George's Park for us yesterday. What was the mood like in the press conference after the squad was announced? Yeah, I think it was, I mean, there were too many surprises um, amongst the the press pack, Natasha. I think, obviously, we're, we're probably going to touch on it. Gabby George's omission was a bit of a surprise for myself. We all know having watched the WSL over the last few months, the sort of form she's been in um, and with the the other options in defence at the moment, I was a little bit surprised not to see her included. Um, four goalkeepers as well, another slight surprise I think for a few people, um, but obviously the, the, the chance to to give Emily Ramsey a, a first international call-up, um, which is, 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 I think most people would argue is, is probably well-deserved. Um, and yeah, not not too many surprises in in general. Obviously, there are still some big names missing out uh, in terms of Beth England, Jordan Nobbs. But I think if you know the way Serena works, and obviously if she's been in the job for eighteen months now, I don't think too many people were expecting uh, either England or, or Jordan Nobbs to be to be in that squad yesterday. So um, and yeah, the, the the mood was was fairly good. You know, Serena is all, was on good form as always, and. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think she's she's very, very determined and, and very serious about this being a, a proper World Cup warm-up and, and seeing the team do well next week. Do you think, even though she says she's keeping an eye on these players outside of the squad, do you think she's already made her decision? Do you think she probably knows 90, 90% of the squad that she's going to take to Australia and New Zealand? I'm... <laughs> I think possi- that is po- possibly true. Knowing, like I say, knowing the way Serena works, she doesn't bow to clamour from supporters or from reporters, um, as we know. So I-, I wouldn't be surprised if internally that is what she was thinking. She probably does know already 90% of the squad who sh- that she wants to take. But having said that, listen, we don't need to, to go into it. We all-, we all know about the-, the issues with injuries in women's football this season. And we know that they can strike at any time. You know, Beth Mead was... What obviously isn't in this squad. She's still recovering from an ACL, but was still one of the first 
question, one of the first questions at yesterday's conference was about Beth Mead. And that could happen to any other, you know, anyone else in the squad. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. So she still needs to have a look at, at players who might not be certain to be on the plane to Australia, but but they could they they might still be needed. And I think that it says a lot as well that she's named twenty six players for this squad. She can only take twenty three um, to the finals. But obviously, she's doing that to 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 get a look at, at as many players as possible and to to get a feel for each of their their characters as well. Beth, we mentioned Gabby George. I know you're a big fan of her. You've seen a lot of her this season. Um, outside of the disappointment she must feel, what's, what's your take on it? Would, would she have had to be player 27 for her not to be in the squad? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm really disappointed for her. I really do think, you know, out of, as Jack said, that was probably the biggest surprise for me in terms of there weren't too many surprises, but that, that was sort of one player that I really did think was in with a shout of, of making the squad, especially, you know, as Jack said, with it being 26 players, she was incredibly unfortunate to miss out. And I think it's a shame because I'm not sure she could be doing much more than she already is. I think her form this season has been so consistent, so remarkably consistent week in, week out. And even last season, you know, she was Everton's player of the season and in a team that was really struggling for form, she was still sort of excelling. And I think she's only gone from strength to strength under Brian Sorensen. You know, the new manager has come in and sort of deployed her more as a left back, left wing back. We're obviously used to seeing her more in central defence, but she's thriving in that position. She really is and, and showing. We've seen sort of the role of the full back and the wing back evolve over the last sort of 10, 15 years. And now there is this real impetus on on those players to get forwards and, and be, an, be an attacking outlet for, for a team. And I think, you know, sometimes when a, a player is typically a central defender and then they go out to that position, you can lose a little bit of that attacking output. But What's really impressed me with Gabby George this season is that's not been the case at all. You know, I think her sort of her impressive form was epitomised in in that three two win over Reading a couple of weeks ago. She got a got an assist and then a quite spectacular goal as well. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure she can she can do anything more than just continue playing as she as she has been playing. I think as Jack said, you never know when injuries go into strike. We saw. In Serena's last squad before Christmas, Gabby George was was called up when there were injuries to, to Lauren Hemp and Jordan Nobbs. And obviously she didn't play for England, but she was in the squad. And unfortunately, with the way that the injury um, situation has been this season, we could see that that again. So she's just got to be be ready. And I'm sure she will be. You know, she's a as well as a, a fantastic player. She's a, a real sort of leader and and someone I think who, who won't let this knock her down too much and will probably amuse it to, to spare her on going forward. Yeah, and we have to mention Emily Ramsey, um, someone we've both spoke about a lot, both big fans. How amazing is it for her to be in and around the squad just to, you know, just to, as cheesy as it sounds, to soak up what it's like to be part of that international setup, probably watching players that she's been watching on TV for the past few years. Yeah, I'm really excited for her. I think she's 100% and, um, you know, performances this season have definitely merited a call up. And with England playing three games, you would like to think that maybe one of them you know, Serena will use that to to take a look at her. And I think, you know, she's obviously only young. She's still got plenty to develop. I think probably her biggest, so the biggest thing I'd say she probably needs to work on is is maybe commanding her area a little bit more. There's There's been times this season sort of corners or, or free kicks have come in and she's maybe looked, you know, slightly um, nervy at times, but she's an excellent shot stopper. Great. The distribution is brilliant and um, 
really exciting young talent. And I think so I spoke to her a few weeks ago and wrote a piece up on that for the, the Liverpool Echo. And one thing that really struck me speaking to her is how um, composed she is and how mature she is for such a young player who, you know, it, it obviously must be for all of these players who have been sort of on the edge of the England pitch for quite a while or been in the youth setup. They must be itching to be involved with the senior setup. And, you know, she she wasn't sort of phased. She, she said, you know, all, all I can do is play as I'm playing. And and if, if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And there was a real sort of sense of maturity and composure about her, which I really liked as well. So, yeah, a, a really massive moment for her in her career and I hope she can, she can get on the pitch in the Arnold Clark Club. I think that's definitely something we've been able to see in her career and, and the decision she's made. She seems very much like a player that it's not about being at the biggest club or any of that. She just wants to be behind the sticks, get her gloves on. So obviously, Jordan Nobbs, um, Louise, me and yourself have spoken about injuries a lot. Jordan's a player who we know her talent. There's, you know, we're not going to say she's not been one of the best players in the WSL at times. But do we think that her injuries have now done too much damage for her to be able to get back into Serena's squad? I think so. I think just because, like, when you've got a tournament, a big tournament as well, and she's so prone to injury, you can't take that risk because you're potentially taking a place and of someone else who also deserves it. But after the first game, she's been injured, or the second game, and it's like it's just a huge risk. And I think she's just had too many. It's coming to the end of a career and I just, I'm so gutted for her as well because I love watching her play. I love that when she's gone to Villa, I've been so excited to watch them in the middle and see what she can produce because, you know, when she's played at Champions League, she's pulled out some absolute, like, absolute screamers. Yeah, that's the quality that she's got, but it's just not coming in week in, week out, whereas there's other people who are, a bit younger, they are getting more playing time and the performing week in and week out. So I think her injuries have just I think it's just made it a little bit of a bit of a risky, risky selection if she if she did make it. Um as a player, what does that do to you? Maybe that realization that this part or this period of your career is over. You know, someone like Jordan who has played against the best, played with the best, won that won some of the biggest trophies is it going to be a period of transition for her do you think in terms of how she deals with this disappointment and then continues to help Villa moving forward because you know she could her and Rachel and Lucy Stanifield could all have a big impact on the WSL just by how well they play for Villa and playing for myself and then having that big injury and going this part you know, I, I then got cut from a certain team. So knowing that she's then been cut from England is going, oh, it's gutting. And it, it takes so much mental resilience to be like, no, I'm going to show I was wrong. No, I can do this. But I think you've got to look at Steph Horton as well at that point because she just missed out of the Euro selection with an injury. And and you read her um, her piece online. It said, like, I couldn't even watch the games. Like, it really struggled. And I think it takes a lot a lot and it shows a lot of character if she can put that aside and go right I'm going to focus on Villa and I'm going to do what I can do while I've still got my playing time um, and I'd love to see that from her as well because I think they absolutely will own it in Villa in the middle of the park in Villa and I, I, I get really excited watching them play so I really hope that she finds that way to bounce back for sure
So thinking of the squad in a bit more depth, Jack, why don't you start at the front for us? Let's look at Serena's options. Who do we think she's going to be starting with in that first game? Well, I think this is the most, possibly the most interesting position on the pitch. Um, certainly the central striker, the number nine, is, has got, there's a, there's a massive question mark there. Since, you know, since Ellen White retired, I, 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 you'd assume Alessia Russo's in pole position for, to, to claim that role, to make that role her own. But I, I, I'm not sure um, Serena's fully convinced with her yet as, you know, first name on the team sheet type pick. Um, I don't think she's at that level. And obviously the last international before Christmas, if we take our minds back to November, she starts Rachel Daly as a number nine against Norway, which no, no one was really expecting it as well as she was doing, as she has been doing this season for Villa. Um, Rachel Daly scores and I know she is listed as a defender again on this squad. Um, but I just, I think there's a, there's still a real discussion and, a, a, and an opportunity for anyone to stake a claim uh, amongst the forward line. I mean, also when, when England beat USA in, in November, I would say that's probably their best uh, in uh, October. Sorry, that was probably their best performance since the Euros for me. Lauren Hemp was down the middle. Chloe Kelly and Beth Mead were wide, and there was a lot more fluency. I thought to the performance um, that England became a little bit predictable. I thought in the in the two internationals before Christmas. Um, so, so yeah, there's the, the, there is a real opportunity for someone to stake a claim, maybe even, obviously everyone's talking about Lauren James and I, I can't blame them after, after her recent performances. She's bound to be in with a shot. I don't think it's as straightforward as Beth Mead's out, Lauren James is first pick in and that's it. I, I think there's, Chloe Kelly's coming right back into form as well. We saw that at the weekend. Um, and even someone like Katie Robinson, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of. I, I think she she she's got a definite chance. If 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 perhaps Lauren plays more centrally again in one of these three games, then there could be an opportunity for for Katie Robinson out wide, uh, and maybe Lauren James as well. So I suppose what I'm saying is it's it's hard to it's hard to know at this stage. We, hopefully, we'll know more after the the three Arnold Clark Cup games. But I don't believe that Alessia Russo will start every single one of those games. I think we're going to see some experimentation, um, which Serena hinted at yesterday. So, but that that's definitely the most interesting uh, position, I think, at, at the moment. It's certainly the one that's most up for grabs. And there's been a lot of talk about Ebony Salmon because obviously she has been playing the, in the NWSL for Houston Dash and she hasn't played since the end of their league. I mean, when you look at, a player who maybe doesn't have minutes and then you do look at someone like Jordan Nobbs who's been playing regularly for the past few weeks. Do we wonder why she's picked her? Is it about her experience and maybe what she brings to the camp? I think I think it has to be because if you're, and we all know it's 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 difficult if you've not been playing football for for two months. It's, it's very hard to go back in at top level and just pick up where you left off. I mean, I, I assume... Ebony Salmon will be getting some some game time over these next three games. I, I, I'm assuming all 26 players will, perhaps, uh, may, maybe not all of the goalkeepers, but, but everyone else. Um, and yeah, I think that that experience does count. Um, it's 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 tough to say because you know if you're as well if you're Beth England, who as we all know, one of the main reasons for her switching sw moving across London last uh, last month was for more game time. She's made a, a pretty decent start at Tottenham, you know, scored against Chelsea last week. Um, I, I, 
I wouldn't say she's at the stage of what more do I have to do to get in this England squad. Um, but she she might be at that point by that if she continues good form and and still isn't picked for the for the next international break. Um, and especially like I've said with with the number nine position not nailed down, I was I was probably more surprised to see her not included and 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 yeah, surprised to see Ebony Salmon in there. I think the thing with um, with Ebony Salmon as well, though, I mean, obviously she's not had much game time of late, but that's not her fault. That's a logistical thing with with the way that obviously the NWSL season is configured. So I think if you have to go before that, she had nine goals in, in 13 games for Houston Dash. Now that is, you can't argue with those sort of statistics. And I think, you know, I think that's credit to Serena for, for sticking with her. And, you know, as Jack said, I'm sure she will get some some game time under her belt and, it's great to see players from different leagues being brought in, obviously, as well. As much as, as the WSL is a fantastic league, it's great to see that, you know, Serena's still, you know, looking elsewhere. And obviously, Georgia Stanway coming in as well, playing at Bayern this season. So it's great to see that she's not overlooking those players and um, just because they're not playing in the WSL. And I think it'll be interesting to see Ebony Salmon. Um, I'm hoping as well, sort of maybe a little bit of Merseyside bias here, but I am really hoping that, that Jess Park gets a gets a little bit of, of playing time as well. Obviously, her, her England's career to date has been pretty limited. She made a, a debut back in, in November, but scored 79 seconds into um, into that debut. And coincidentally, it was it was Ebony Salmon who set her up for that goal. So it'd be great to see her play. I've been just blown away by her this season, really. It's been, sounds a bit cliche to say it. it's a breakout season, but it, it really, really has been. And not just in terms of the goals and assists, but she's the sort of player, I think, um, a good indicator of a, of a fantastic player is when the crowd all around you is just sort of gasping and ooing and ahhing every time a player gets on the ball. And that's, you know, Jess Park is that player. She's been absolutely um, incredible for Everton this season. She really, really has. And again, another player that I've I've sat down with and spoke to and been so impressed with her mentality for, you know, a 21-year-old to to be dealing with the the media hype and, and everything like that and, and not paying too much attention to what people around her were saying and just keeping her head down and playing. She's a, she's a real, real talent. So I think both Jess Park and Ebony Salmon, I'd say, are two players I'm, I'm most excited to sort of see how much game time they get and, and what they can deliver in the Arnold Clark Cup. To be honest, um, watching Man U Everton at the weekend, I was really, and I'm Manchester biased, but I was really impressed with Jess Park. Her work rate is just phenomenal. And like that press, like first 30 minutes is high, bang, 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 everything. But she did not stop for that 90 minutes and she looked exhausted when she came off. But it's that, it's that hunger of, of being so young then. It was just incredible to watch and she's caught my eye and I was like, oh, you know what? I really love watching that and I really hope that she got into the England squad as well. She was one I was rooting for, even though I'm not a Merseyside reporter. I mean, Jess Park, is, is she someone that we're looking at and thinking she could really be a game changer? And Serena may be looking, let, let me see how she copes over these these next three games and see what she's really about because she's obviously only really watched her for a club side. Do we think she's looking at her as that that spark that potentially can can get the team the win they need? Yeah, I mean, I think there's worse players to sort of bring off the bench after like 60, 70 minutes. You know, she's, as as Louise said, and, and that's that's an every week thing. That's not just sort of something she's done to sort of step a game up against United. She every single week, whether it was against, you know, United or City or against Birmingham City in, in the cup a couple of weeks ago, her work rate, her determination, her hunger to get on the score sheet and, 
provide assists and she's she's a real real talent and you know hence why she's been linked with moves to, to Arsenal and obviously she's a Manchester City player on loan at Everton and um, I think the, the unfortunate thing for Everton is that I'm not sure they'll even be in the conversation when it comes to where she goes this summer which is a real shame because she's become so, such an integral part of what Ryan Sorensen has, has built there but um, but yeah I definitely think she could be that player who if things are a little bit stale and Serena wants to mix things up a little bit and have a little bit of unpredictability maybe, um, then she's definitely an option that, that could come on off the bench and, and potentially change the game. How good is it to see Leah Williams um, back in a squad um, fit playing? I think we all agree, um, not just the team, I think just the England camp probably misses her, although she seems to have, to have been there even when she wasn't playing. I noticed she was at Wembley with her scarf. Um, Obviously, we've got Rachel Daly in defence as well. Do we think that's Serena just being a bit smart and getting herself an extra striker? Do we really expect Rachel to play defence after the performances she's been putting in um, Faster Villa this season? I mean, I, I think again, Natasha, it's, it's, she's she's difficult to to predict in terms of well, she she's she. What thing you can say about Serena is she's not going to fall for the clamour. Um, she a lot of people were pressing for Rachel Daly to play further forward in the Euros. Never mind off the back of being top scorer in the WSL in the first half of the season or joint top scorer. So I I still think she will at least start left back. If if Serena had to name a. a Strongest starting eleven now, one to eleven. I think Rachel Daly would still be in at left back, um, but that's not to say. Obviously, there's there's three games here, and like I say, experimentation was the word she used yesterday. That is what she's she's looking to get from from these three games, trying different combinations, uh, using different personnel in different positions. And I mean, I would I, I wouldn't rule out the opportunity, the, the thought of seeing her still with the number nine shirt in the summer. Um, but I think at this stage, she, you'd probably be a safer bet to say she's a left back. But then, like you say, Leah Williamson returning, the same thing could be said about her because I watched her on, on Sunday night um, uh, in Arsenal's draw West Ham and she was playing not as a centre-half, slightly further forward into midfield, dictating the play, um, playing passes in behind the West Ham defence. In fact, she was probably she was Arsenal's best player on the pitch by a mile, I thought, on, on Sunday. Um Again, we know we know that these players have got the quality to just switch positions at the drop of a hat. But I think Serena will will stick with with what's got her on this long unbeaten run and and the success that 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 the core of that team from last summer has has brought England. I think as well, it sort of sounds sounds weird, but I think how how Rachel Daly fares if she does get the chance to play further forward could actually um, have a real impact on Gabby George's World Cup hopes because you know I think. Um, in a press conference yesterday, Serena said that other players had won the race and in, in, to, to feature in that sort of, you know, in that left back position. And I think, you know, as Jack said, you would imagine that Serena may be a little bit stubborn and, and play Rachel Daly where she's been so successful for England and at left back. But, you know, if, if she does get the chance up front and, you know, scores a hat trick or whatever and, and sort of really convinces Serena, actually, no, this is my number nine, this is my starting striker, then all of a sudden, you have that um, space freed up at, at left back. And I think, you know, I'm not quite sure then who who deserves, certainly on, on form this season, who deserves to be starting above Gabby George at left back because, you know, you've got Alex Greenwood who can play at that position, but I think would say herself prefers to be, be at centre-back. So, you know, Gabby's had the whole season playing either left back or left wing back pretty much. Um, 
while also being capable of playing at centre half. So I think, you know, if, you know, Rachel comes in and really performs in that number nine role, as she has been doing for Aston Villa, then that could bode really well for Gabby George going forward as well. Louise, um, thinking about Serena saying she wants to experiment, do we do we think she'll experiment in terms of how she sets her players up? Can you see her, you know, like we said, she beats Serena in drama. She will, she will pick the 11 that she feels is the best and play them in the best style she thinks. So uh, I know we, we have no idea what she's going for, but could you see her making some big changes in the lineup? Um, honestly, I think having looked over the Euros and her past international breaks, she's played like a four-two-three-one. It's quite stable. She has fluctuated, as you would with any opponent, but she seems quite stable in that. And I think the back four has been again pretty much the same: Bronze, Bright, Williams, Sun, and Daly. And then the two in front, I think you have to put Georgia Stanway and Kira Walsh there. And I think that it just solidifies potentially, potentially a back six, really. So, and I think that works so well. Why would you change something? Why, why fix it if it ain't broken? I think um, if she, she has gone to a back three, so if that's the case, get Daly up front, I say, see what she can do. But I, I just, I think, I, I think we're going to see some rotation. Like I spoke to Mary Epps the other day and she said, I get to try new things at the Arnold Club Cup at the last one. She said, I got to try these few new things and see what I wanted to do and blah. And I was like, oh, really interesting. Going, right. So not only does Serena have an idea of what she wants to do and experiment, the players do as well. So are they given an extra um, opportunity maybe to go like, well, maybe if you play more out the back or maybe if you play more how you want to and Maybe the players have a bit more ownership to go, well, this is how we actually want to play. Do you think that would be okay? And I think Serene's quite receptive in that as well. So I think this will not just come from her. I think it will come from players as well as like what's worked well, who's linking up well. Like um, Alessio Russo and Ella Toon for Man United, their link-up play, it's like they're connected. They don't even have to look up and they're playing. And you're like, don't mess with it. Just let them do that. And I think... So I think we could see some experimentation and I think that will come with especially the younger players. But if it ain't broke, don't fix it in my opinion, I think. I think Mary made a really good point talking about the the stuff they get to try. I think that's probably one of the biggest differences between the England camp under Serena compared to previous managers is that those previous managers were saying, this is what I want you to do and, and that's the end of the conversation. I think the players having a bit more control to maybe, oh, let me try this. Let me see if this free kick works. Might give them, you know, maybe that's why everyone looks so happy around the squad because it does. It It's probably the happiest squad I've seen in a good seven, eight years, I would guess. Yeah, it's, it's having the freedom to express yourself, which is what all the players, whenever you talk to them, they want to express themselves on the pitch. And I think if you've got a manager that's willing to do that and trusts you, the end of the day, I trust you to go and do that, you know, then I, you're going to have a happy camp. I think, uh, again, thinking back to Man United, though, they they seem to play with that sort of style. Like, I trust you, go on. Um, and I think you find that a lot in the, the WSL. So, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I think it's a very happy camp and I think she'll do some experimentations, but not too much, I hope.
when we look at the opposition, what what are we thinking? So I'll give you the games so everyone knows when they're being played. So match day one, MK Dons, which is February the 16th. That's going to be Italy v. Belgium and then England v. Korea Republic. Then on Sunday the 19th of Feb at Coventry Building Society Arena, that'll be England v. Italy and Belgium v. Korea Republic. And then on the last day, which is Wednesday, Feb the 22nd at Ashton Gate in Bristol, that'll be Korea Republic v. Italy and England v. Belgium. I mean, I don't know how much our, our listeners know about the opposition, but of those three teams, who should we really be worrying about? Who sh- I mean, obviously we won the trophy, the tournament, mini tournament, if that's what you want to call it, last year. It, who do we think is going to try and take our title this this year? I think you, you underestimate South Korea at your peril. I always think with international football, Natasha, and um, I think Serena actually spoke yesterday in a press conference. Obviously, we've, 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 we're in the same group as, as China this summer. Um, at the World Cup and their, their playing styles aren't too dissimilar. Um, very heavily focused on on work rate and you know, the collective output as a team rather than rather than individual flair. Um, so I think I think South Korea will be a, a really good good test for this England group. Um, you she might not learn, it might not give they potentially might not get as much of a confidence boost from winning this tournament this year as they did last year. I mean, last year they were up against Germany, Spain, you know, some of the best players in the world. Um, but it, it'll still be, I think, a, a really good test. And she's also, as much as she, she talked yesterday about experimentation, she also mentioned that, that, that she sees this as a real clean slate, I think, this this new year um, for this England group. And sort of genuinely, you know, the, the past is, they're not resting on their laurels. She even talks about playing a better style of football, which... When you look at some of the games from last summer, I mean, I'm not sure how much more swagger they can get, really. Um, but it'll it'll be interesting to see. And and yeah, I think Korea in particular are going to provide a really good test. And Italy and Belgium could could be difficult to break down if they if they can manage to hold England off for the first 20 minutes. So so yeah, it sh- it, it should be a real education for for Serena. Even even the teams that have been picked are, are all with the World Cup in mind. Uh, mind in Mary's interview. She said that the manager has picked the teams, so she's looking at these, um, looking at these nations and thinking, okay, who are we up against in the World Cup? You know, let me see how we work against this style. Beth, are you excited to to see us go up against? And it, I mean, England v Italy is always a good game, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the whole the whole beauty of a World Cup is that you play in so many different sort of types of opposition, different different styles. Of course, we love to see those big glamour ties with, with the Germanys and the Spains. And that's where you would argue that probably the best players in the world are playing and, and they're probably going to be, um, obviously along with the USA, the, the toughest competition for, for England in the summer. But you don't get through to the, the quarterfinals or the semifinals or the finals without playing those other teams as well. And, you know, I think this, one thing that I, I really like about this England squad is, is as well as a, a squad of fantastic players, they're a squad of really fantastic girls as well. I think mentality-wide, personality-wise, that they're a really together group and they're a group that, you know, they're not the sort of players who would dismiss, you know, playing Italy or Belgium. Or, um, I mean, I think Korea are actually um, the highest ranked opposition that they're playing. I think Korea are 15th in, in, in the world ranking, so... As Jack said, sort of write them off at your peril, really. But yeah, it's really exciting. And I think it's nice because 
you know, obviously that you can play a friendly game and, and things like that. And, um, but I, it never has quite the same edge as, as a real competitive game where there's something up for grabs. And I think that's the beauty of this Arnold Clark Cup is it, it's obviously not the intense pressure of going into a World Cup because at that point you want to know who you start in 11 is. You want to know what your best formation is. So it, it offers a chance for experimentation and, and, and a bit more freedom. But equally, there is something on the line and, you know, the, the mentality of these players, the, the likes of the, the Millie Brights and the, the Lee Williamsons and the Mary Epps, these players now, they're winners. They're serial winners for, for club and country. You know, they're winning games week in, week out and they don't want to win this. They, they won't want to lose this this crown regardless of, of you know, whether they, it, you, know, you can say whether it's a big trophy or not, but they, they'll want they'll want to win. And, and yeah, I think they'll, they'll do everything they can to to retain that, that Arnold Clark Cup title. Yeah, career of 15th. In the ranking, Italy are 17th and Belgium are in 20. So you're right, you make such a good point. Even though these teams aren't the top three in the world, these are the teams that you're potentially going to meet at the World Cup anyway. So, you know, it's all good practice. Um, Louise, did you want to discuss Belgium? I know you've been watching a bit of them recently. Yeah, I mean, first I wanted to say I totally agree with Jack and Beth. Like, I think Korea are going to be the biggest tests. Um, I've watched a lot of the time, fascinated the way that they play and they're just, they're on the floor. It's three touches. They've got rid of it before. Um, they've got rid of the ball before you're close enough to even get into a physical battle. So that's not going to match some of our players well. So I think that's where you're going to see some experimentation. Like Laura Coombs, really good effort, really strong player. Uh, Georgia Stanway, really strong player. I don't know if they're going to be able to get close enough. So you might see some mix in a squad there, but um, you, you Definitely can't write them off. I think Italy the same. They want to play on the floor. They're going to battle again. But Belgium, I liked Leo. When we played before Euros, Leo Williamson just pushed up out the back four that midfield spot. And I liked her there. I, th- I thought she was threatening. She put in some great three balls. And I think it just worked a little bit better. Um, so I would like to see her in, in that position. But um, Belgium, they lost out to Sweden, so they did really well in the Euros, but they lost out just that one there. And I, I just think they're they're an under they're like one you don't expect to get. Do you know what I mean? They're not one you expect to like. Oh, they're all playing Belgium, or oh, it's going to be a good game, but they do. They deliver. Um, and Nicky Everard, absolutely on fire in goal. So I think we just have to be super creative um, and not switch off. And I think they're sort of the they're the points of this tournament you know stay switched on get really creative move fast because all these teams will punish you on the counter yeah I think I think whatever happens it's going to be three amazing days and hopefully six great games um I believe there are still tickets available if you want to take the family I know all of us will be there on at least a couple of occasions we can't wait Obviously, we've done loads of England talk today, but we can't forget the WSL. I mean, a lot of what happens over the next few weeks is really going to affect England's chances in in the World Cup. And just looking ahead to this weekend's games, we've got, obviously, we've got the Conti Cup the next two days. So we've got Arsenal v Man City, then we have West Ham v Chelsea. But this weekend in the league, we've got Man City v Arsenal, Tottenham v Man United, Brighton v Villa, which... 
as we know, Brighton need to pick up a point, and then we have Liverpool v Leicester. This could be such a crucial weekend in the title race. Um, I'll go to you, Beth. If Man City lose, if Man City beat Arsenal on Saturday, are Arsenal out of the title race? Well, I think it's still too early to tell. I think um, what's been great this season is it's been such an open title race. Um, I think <laughs> Chelsea have to be favourites. You know, they've been there, done that, bought the T-shirt several times. So um, I think Arsenal could really do with, with picking up a win. More more for the confidence element, you know, after being held by West Ham last weekend, they, they'll want to sort of get back to, to winning ways. But um, yeah, Manchester City, if, if they've had a... They've had a fantastic season, really, when you consider the, the calibre of player that they lost in the summer and the fact that they've had, you know, they've had new players come in and they've had to sort of gel as a, as a squad. They, they've done really well. I mean, I think it's something like 16 games unbeaten now. Um, you know, I'm not sure. We will correct us if we're wrong with that. How many games is that? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, so they've they've done, done really well. I mean, I think they're, they're probably a little way off going for the title, but. Um, but yeah, it'll, that should be a really, really interesting game, and um, I think so, certainly psychologically will be a real boost for for Arsenal if they get over the line in that one. Um, but I think so. The game, obviously, again, Merseyside bias. The game I'm most excited for is is Liverpool Leicester. Obviously, I'll, I'll be down at Fenton Park for that one. Um, but that's a that's a huge game, and um, I think in the context of Liverpool season, it, it's massive. If they can get three points, I'd, I'd argue that that that's Liverpool probably safe. Um, I think sort of it, it was interesting actually last weekend after they beat Reading and um, Matt Beard was quite open about the fact he thinks sort of 12, 13 points will be the magic number for, for safety in the WSL this season. I think Liverpool are currently on 11. So, you know, if they can get that win over Leicester, then I think they are pretty much safe. But, um, you know, we've seen that Leicester are no pushovers. They were, they were probably a little bit unlucky against Manchester City. I mean, I know City had had a lot of chances and, and the goalkeeper came up trumps as well. But um, yeah, that should be a really, really interesting game and, and possibly sort of definitive in terms of whether Liverpool are completely safe or not this season. Louise, um, Man United go to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium this weekend. Yeah, so I've just got off, literally just got off press conference with Mark Skinner and he's really looking forward to the weekend. He, he talked about the game against Everton and they had... I think it was like over 25 attempts on goal and it was a goal as nil-nil tie. And he said, look, we absolutely pummeled them. And I asked I asked them to create chances and they've created them. So he's he's thinking it's more of a when will it go in, not if it goes in, if that makes sense. Like when will we score? And he's totally, he seems totally relaxed going into the weekend. And he says, look, I know, he knows Rian Skinner well as well from the, from the past. And he says, look, like I know they've invested, and you know Beth England is, is going to be a threat. But he says, "Look, we we can deal with that." And I have so many tools to my disposal. He's got no injuries to be concerned of, so it's a full squad, and he's he's really up for the weekend. So I know United have, have played at Old Trafford a few times now. Do you think there'll be an advantage for them over Tottenham, who are not used to playing in in the larger stadiums? Yeah, I do. And again, he mentioned this uh, on the press conference. He said it suits white players much better. And we saw that as well at the Manchester derby just before Christmas. And City weren't used to it. They, it took 45 minutes for them to get used to the situation. And it's like, 
it can be really daunting. I think it's really tough to get get the team going. So I think that's going to give a real edge as well to Man United. And and I think there's only one game, which was the weekend, where they haven't scored in the first half. So I think not only are United up for it, they they've got that crowd, uh, that experience of the crowd, and I think it's just going to really work for a minute. And we're going to see. I really think we're going to see a good couple of goals in there at the weekend. So hopefully, three points. Yeah, I mean, Brighton v Aston Villa, I, t- I suppose, you know, the, the bookies would say it's a great opportunity for Jordan Nobbs to prove Serena wrong by by getting on the score sheet. But it's been a very up and down season for Brighton. You know, they got the win and then they've lost two of their last four. I know their new manager came in and he really tried to strengthen them in defence, but is there a danger of them being pulled back down with Leicester or into that fight with Leicester and Redden? I think I think the 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 point they got last week, Natasha uh, against Villa. Obviously, it's a it's a bit of a strange scenario anyway to be playing exactly the same opponent only a week later. Um, but I think that that point could prove crucial for them. It stops the rot. I mean, I didn't watch it when I wasn't there when Leicester uh, put free past them in the first game back after the the WSL winter break. But I think. If you're just looking at that result, you're thinking, "What is going on at Brighton?" That that they could easily get sucked right back into it. Um, but that that point last week, I think, showed that there is a bit of heart in the team. They have made a lot of new signings, and you think you would think the the longer they have on the training pitch um, with the new manager, that the longer the system, uh, the longer time to, to to give the system. I think that that they will pick up some points hopefully going forward. But then again, I mean, Leicester as well look, look a different team. The one we saw before Christmas um, last week, arguably quite unlucky not to not to hold City out and and, and take a clean sheet. So um, so yeah, it's it's exciting at, at both ends. And, and, and Villa are obviously desperate for a win because I think Villa, Everton, and and even possibly Tottenham as well now will all be be desperate to finish um, in that fifth position and and be the sort of the best of the rest, as it were. Yeah, I, th- I think when you, I'm looking at the table now and thinking Tottenham were actually in ninth with nine points. You look at Villa, they're six with 17 points, only two behind Everton in fifth. I think they've actually probably, they would probably be a lot of people's surprise packages. You know, what Carla Ward's there, they see what she's done there this season, sorry. She's, she's got them to those hard fought wins that probably would have been nil or draws. It seems like they're getting over the line. Um, do you think they've got the strength to go on and, and push Everton down and and take that, like we call it, the best of the rest? I I think they have. I mean, if I mean, Beth will probably disagree with me as a, a the Merby side bias, um, but I think if you were to if you were to analyse the two squads on paper, and it's something that I've spoken about before with Beth is Everton's Achilles heel is always whenever they play one of the top sides, they're never going to be able to play their best team. Or they were before Christmas because there's always someone out on loan who who can't play against their parent club. So I, I I would say having now gone through the January window, I do think Villa have got the stronger squad on paper. But I'm I'm waiting for Beth to disagree with me and tell me why I'm, I'm going to finish fifth. Yeah, I'm I'm back in Everton to finish fifth. I think I I agree with Jack actually. I think in terms of certainly in terms of players they've got as as permanent players, and um, you know they they've probably got a stronger squad Aston Villa but I think the benefit that the Everton have is that you know they brought in 10 new players in the summer and they didn't make any additions to the squad in January and, and they're now very um the squad's very well gelled together and they're playing exactly how the manager wants 
them to play. Whereas if you look at, at Villa, they've made some really shrewd signings in January and, and players that could potentially be massive for them in the next couple of years, like Jordan Nobbs and, and Lucy Stanisford. But it might take them a little bit of time to, to get used to Carl Ward's way of playing. And I think that's maybe where, for this season certainly, um, I'm back in Everton to, to finish above them. But who knows, only time will tell. I mean, I'm not predicting anything because I'm an Arsenal fan, so I'm just going to sit and watch quietly as the rest of the season ends. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you, Louise. And thank you, Beth. Thank you, all of us who have been listening. I've been Natasha Henry, and this has been the Women's Football Digest. Digest.